Well, we're getting much closer to the celebration of Christmas. We're in this Advent moving quickly towards Christmas season, and it's a great time, isn't it? I, I just loved during Sunday school, I mentioned this earlier, hearing the children out here singing boisterously. It was great getting ready. Um, and who knows how they're going to sing next week? Madeline, do you know? We never know exactly what's going to happen with children, what they might say, what they might sing. Um, but I know it's going to be exciting next Sunday when they sing some of our Christmas carols for us. Children love, most children love the season of Christmas. If you have any kind of stability at all in a child's life, any, any fragment of that, any kind of knowledge of Christmas, it's a season of joy, isn't it? A season of joy. You know, we uh, had the Advent candle day. For those of you who are watching online, we, we lit the candle earlier. We light these candles, not because they're sacrosanct unto themselves, but they just point us to some of the meaning of uh, Christ's first coming and his return. In Advent, we think about both his first coming and his return. And, and today the theme is joy. The foundation of joy is faith-based or faith-sourced hope. And really that's what our, our scripture is going to be saying to us today as we return to the old gospel of the Jesse tree stump or the Christmas tree stump. If you open the New Testament and turn to one of the great blessings in all the New Testament, it comes from the Apostle Paul in his letter to the church at Rome. In Romans chapter 15, verse 13, we have this great, if you wanted to, to just focus on God's word and understand what it means to be a vibrant Christian and a vibrant church, this blessing certainly speaks to it. May the God of hope. Do you hear that? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. You just hear the Advent and Christmas tones of that. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. In the face of darkness, depression, discouragement, God is the God of hope. Who, by his blessing, fills us with all, not just a smidgen of, with all, all joy and peace in believing in him. In believing in him. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we abound in hope. And we are messengers of hope to others in our families that we're going to be encountering over Christmas holidays, out in the world, we abound in hope. We're messengers of hope because by his Holy Spirit, he fills us with joy and peace and believing so that we overflow with, with hope. Well, what is Paul talking about in that great, one of the great blessings in all the New Testament? Romans 15, 13. Well, just rewind to the previous verse. And guess what? He's talking about the root of Jesse. Yes, guess what? He's talking about Isaiah chapter 11 flowing into Isaiah chapter 12, to which we're going to be turning today. Paul says, and again, Isaiah. And it's appropriate that Paul would say, and again, Isaiah, because Paul is in a constant commentary on the book of Isaiah and the prophecies of Isaiah. He says, and again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. 
even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him, in him, the one who arises to rule the Gentiles, the root of Jesse, in him will the Gentiles hope. And flowing from that, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope, hope in the root of Jesse, hope in the one who arises, who stands as a signal to call the Gentiles unto himself, and that all who believe in him might be saved. This is what Advent is about. This is what Christmas is about. Not only his first coming, but also as we look to his return, he will arise, the one who rules all the nations. That's what God is talking about. That's what the Christmas message is really about. That's what Advent is really about. And of course, God's word through Paul is pointing us right back to this central and seminal prophecy that we find in Isaiah chapter 11. The Christmas tree stump gospel. The Christmas tree stump gospel. Don't you love it? Out of a little stump, everything comes. Everything comes from the root the source, the God of Jesse, the Savior who is born to us. Remember the context as we prepare to turn and open again, as we did a couple Sundays ago, to the opening verses of Isaiah chapter 11. The context is there's been all kinds of prophecy, not only some prophecies of hope and the future holy Zion being exalted, but a lot of prophecies of judgment uh, during the 8th century BC. A lot of prophecies of judgment on God's own people, the chosen people, that the northern kingdom of Israel, that Ephraim, that Samaria, the northern tribes, they and their nation are going to be cut down as stumps. And, uh, and then also, not just them, and God will use the Assyrian Empire to bring this about, but also even the southern kingdom of Judah will almost be totally decimated by the Assyrian threat shadow, that brutal empire. And, and God himself, in fact, uh, in the exchange with Ahaz, King Ahaz, in the line of David, the messianic line, the, the line of David, uh, Ahaz has chosen to trust in Babylon and, and, for, and foreign uh, alignments and partnerships instead of trusting in God alone. And so God says, look, <laughs> I'm going to cut you down. I'm cutting your tree down. Your line's going down. But nevertheless, I'm going to give you a sign. Uh, the virgin, the young maiden, will conceive and give birth to a son and will call his name Emmanuel. But, but we don't know how that's going to play out. We do know that the David line, the Davidic line, is now a stump. It's, 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 it's going to be stagnant in the future. And all that's going on. But then God says he's going to bring down, he's going to cut down the forest of the Assyrian Empire that he used to rain down his judgment on his disobedient people. They're going to be stumps. And they're going to be a forest that never rises again. You get to the end of Isaiah chapter 10, and there's a lot of dead trees all around and a lot of forest cut down and burned down. And we know Assyria is not coming back. But then we turn the page to Isaiah 11. And over there, in the midst of all that kind of burning and stumpiness and deadness, whoa, look. From that old, seemingly dead stump of Jesse, a shoot, a son is going to be born, a miracle son. He's not just going to be the shoot of Jesse, he's actually also the root 
of Jesse. He's before Jesse. He's the source of Jesse. He's, he's both going to be a human son, but also God himself. And a branch bearing fruit will come forth. A new people, new life, lasting life. It's an amazing, amazing Christmas tree stump gospel, isn't it? Well, let's turn again to Isaiah 11. Today, we're going to read, I'm going to go ahead and read from verses 1 through 12 of Isaiah 11, and then on to the great psalm that flows out from Isaiah 11 and closes out this second cycle of Isaiah, that the great kind of conclusion of, of this sequence of gospel in the midst of all this judgment. Hear now God's word, Isaiah 11, verses 1 through 12, and then over to the great psalm of Isaiah chapter 12. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes, his physical eyes see, or decide disputes by what his ears, his fleshly ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. Yes, this is where this passage is. This is this prophecy here. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf, and the lion, and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like an ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations, the Gentiles, inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. In that day, the Lord will extend his hand yet a second time to recover the remnant that remains of his people from Assyria, from Egypt, from Pathros, from Cush, from Elam, from Shinar, from Hamath, and from the coastlands of the sea, he will raise a signal, a banner, a flagpole. He will raise a signal for the nations and will assemble the banished of Israel and gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. And then chapter 12, the great psalm. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, 
your anger turned away, that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. Well, if you have the sermon notes, you can follow along. We're going to go through several movements in this scripture and speak briefly to them. Uh, the beginning part, of course, I addressed more extensively with the root of Jesse and the prophecies there, the opening verses, a couple Sundays ago. And you can return to those notes or to that sermon earlier. But just to begin, number one, just Jesse's root. And that is at least a double entendre there. You can see I have in the notes, you can kind of fill in the blanks. We'll go two directions on this. Just Jesse's root. One way you can read that or one meaning would be, yes, only Jesse's root. No, no one can, can not only usher in Christmas, but you understand by the time we get to the second part of this prophecy, we're talking about the second coming of Jesus and the eschaton, eschatologically, when God brings in the fullness of his kingdom in all justice and righteousness, and there is no sin, there is no evil, there is no darkness anymore. A child can play over a snake hole and not be damaged at all. The lion is eating straw like an oxen with the ox. I mean, this is only just Jesse's root can bring this about. He's unique. There are no other saviors. Friends, I don't care for whom you vote, to whom you contribute more money than possibly you're even giving in your tithe to God. God bless you and God forgive you. But none of, none of those people and none of those movements are going to save the world. They're not even going to save next year for the United States of America. Just Jesse's root. I want to invite you in this Advent season to reframe and put your trust just in Jesse's root. In him alone. He alone is the Savior. He alone is the reason for the season. He alone is Christmas. Trust in Him, and not only Christmas, but also the end times. In God's kingdom that is forever and ever, amen, praise the Lord. Trust in only Him, just Jesse's root. He's unique. As Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, there is, count them, one mediator. How many? There is one mediator between God and man, between God and us, the man Christ Jesus. No one else can reconcile you to God. No one else can make you right with yourself, with your family, or most certainly with God. 
He is the only one, just Jesse's root. Jesus says in his conversation with Nicodemus that's recorded in John's Gospel, chapter 3. I'll return to this later. But, but at one point, Jesus says, this is John 3.13, no one has ascended into heaven. In other words, the inner sanctum of heaven. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. In other words, Jesus says, I am he. You want to know God? You want to have any kind of relationship with God? It's, it's through me alone. And then, of course, the second reason, and you can fill in the blanks, you could put in, you know, righteousness, faithfulness, justice. He is just, Jesse's root, he's just. He is just and righteous. He executes God's justice perfectly. He is the answer with all the failed Israelites that we read about in the Bible, and then more specifically, all the failed kings from David onward. What Isaiah, God through Isaiah is telling us is that line has failed to execute God's law the way the king is supposed to. But Jesse's root will do it, and he will do it perfectly, ushering in the very eternal kingdom of God on earth. He is the just one, and he is just and righteous towards the poor, the meek, not the ones who grab all the attention, not the ones posting all the time on Twitter. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the poor and the meek. God's word says he will extend justice and righteousness to them. Unlike any politician, unlike any king who's ever walked on the earth, he will bring real divine justice. Just Jesse's root, okay? He's the just one. His delight will be in the fear of the Lord. With righteousness, he will judge the poor and decide equitably for the meek of the earth. Isaiah here is saying what we read in the rest of the Old Testament, that when God comes, he judges with righteousness and faithfulness. Those two terms always go together, and sometimes you get uprightness next to it as well. You just look, for example, to Psalm 96, verse 13, the great psalm about God coming to judge. You know, joy to the world, the Lord has come. What's he come to do? He's come to judge, right? He comes, he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. His faithfulness to himself, to his purposes and to his word. So that's number one, just Jesse's root. Number two, he will bring heaven to Zion. He will restore paradise on God's holy mountain. Now this Isaiah chapter 11 and the 12 that goes along with it, they're really incredible chapters, incredible prophecies. If you know the Old Testament, and by the way, if you're with me, for instance, on Wednesday night Bible studies of the Old Testament, you can begin to see that every single issue and covenant in the Old Testament is being addressed in Isaiah 11 by Jesse's root. He's restoring creation order. He's going to reestablish the Edenic covenant. He's going to restore and fulfill uh, the Abrahamic covenant of faithfulness and righteousness. He's going to fulfill God's covenant with God's people Israel by executing justice, by being the true king under Torah, under the law. And on top of that, yes, he's going to be the restoration, the greater David who fulfills the covenant with David, but is infinitely greater than David because he's the root of Jesse. 
yes, I just covered the entire Old Testament. Yes, Isaiah 11 just covered the whole thing. That's what we're talking about here. So as we move into here, you need to understand this. He's going to bring, he's going to restore paradise. Remember paradise lost, the fall, the Garden of Eden? He's going to restore it all. He's, this is, we're talking now, by the time we get to verse 6 of 11, chapter 11 of Isaiah, we're talking about the second coming here. But he's already begun to usher it in with his first coming. I mean, this is incredible. I mean, this incredible picture of peace. And yes, children's ministry leaders, Sunday school teachers, please have your children drawing some of this. We ought to draw this all the time. I mean, the, the, the animals in perfect harmony and, and the, the couple examples of the little children who can play over. Don't miss this from Genesis 3, right? The child can play over the serpent's hole and not be in fear. Did you get that? I mean, we've just, we just erased the fall here. This is, what, this is what this root of Jesse has just done. But you could say, and I, I'm kind of thinking reading this, okay, we got, so we got a couple of babies in here, maybe little infants, toddlers who can play over. And we've got all these animals enjoying the restoration of paradise. But what about some of the rest of us? I'm not an innocent little baby, are you? I'm certainly not a lion eating straw in this scene. Where do we come in, right? So we've got the restoration of paradise. It's restored. That's great. The creation covenant is restored by the, the root of Jesse. But what about the rest of us? Well, that brings us to number three. And Isaiah gets us there at Isaiah 11, verse 10 and following. So we got all the animals and the babies doing fine. What about the rest of us kind of sinful people? <laughs> we get to come in too. And this is point number three in the sermon notes here. Notice this. He will stand as a signal. The word there, the Hebrew, the nace, means like flagpole, standard, banner. Okay. He will stand as a signal, you know, to rally troops, to call people together. He will stand as a signal to the peoples, the nations. Catch this. He's not just coming to bring light to his people, the Jews. The first people that are mentioned in Isaiah 11:10 are the Gentiles, the peoples, the people who've been so sinful and idolatrous and everything else. Well, guess what? People from among the Gentiles will see the banner raised, in other words, Jesus, the root of Jesse, and they will come to him. And then also, yes, I put, put it there. It's, it's there in verses 10 and 12. Uh, he will also restore the remnant, as verse 12 says, the remnant of God's people Israel from the four corners of the earth. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, do we get a little foretaste of that in the 20th century heading into the 21st? Like Jews returning to Zion from the four corners of the earth? Any, anybody aware of that? It is, is it possible that God is acting right now in our world? Absolutely. Wake up. So, so here it is, and he is the one. The root of Jesse is the one who stands as the signal, the banner to bring everybody who will believe in. Now, I want you to catch this, a little bit of Bible study here. Um, in Exodus chapter 17, verse 15, Moses, after the defeat of the Amalekites, you know, during the Exodus, Moses uh, says, he calls the Lord Yahweh Nisi which means the Lord my banner or the Lord my signal. 
Later on in the Exodus story, when the Israelite, you know, the Israelites are so disobedient and they're so idolatrous, God sends serpents. You may remember this, and they become bitten by these poisonous serpents. And then God says to Moses, okay, I want you to fashion a signal, a banner, a flagpole. And you put a bronze serpent up on it. And every one of the Israelites who's sinful, who nevertheless repents and looks to the banner, the signal that you're going to raise with this serpent, will be healed and saved. Much later on, when Jesus is in that conversation I talked about with Nicodemus, you can read about this in John chapter 3. As the verses that lead up to the most famous verse possibly in the New Testament, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's John 3, 16. What's John 3, 14 and 15? Jesus says to Nicodemus, just as Moses lifted up the serpent, in other words, the signal, the banner in the desert, so also the son of man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. The banner, the signal. What is Jesus talking about? Jesus is virtually opening the Isaiah scroll to chapter 11 and saying, here it is. John 8, 32, Jesus again, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. When I just want to make sure you're getting this signal, this banner message that Jesus is bringing us through his word, tracing all the way back to Isaiah 11. When I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. And so, of course, Paul in Romans 15 says, and again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. He who arises to rule the Gentiles in him will the Gentiles hope. Then number four, with joy for us Southerners, y'all, if you're watching internationally, you all plural, second person, masculine plural in this case, will draw water. In other words, all of us who believe in him will draw water from the well of salvation. That's Isaiah 12, verse 3. God throughout the Old Testament is called repeatedly in Exodus, in Isaiah, etc., the source of living water. When Jesus has the encounter with the woman at the well in Samaria at Sychar, you may remember this. Jesus says, the water I give will become in the one who believes in me a spring of water welling up to eternal life. All of us who believe in him get to draw from the well of his living water. That's the message. John 7, verse 38, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water by the Holy Spirit. That's number four. With joy, we all get to draw from that well of salvation. That's great. And then fifth, he will bring heaven to earth, all of the earth. He'll strike 
He'll strike the earth. Notice this, not just Israel, not just Jerusalem. He'll strike the entire earth with the rod of his mouth to bring forth justice. Isaiah 11:4. Isaiah 11:9. The earth, not just Jerusalem, not just Zion, the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord. And then chapter 12, verse 5. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this made be made known in all the earth. So what we're talking about here is God's universal reign. Have you ever said the Lord's Prayer? We just said it today. What are you asking for? God's kingdom to come, God's will to be done, where? Just in Jerusalem or just in Sarkville? No, on earth, where? As it is in heaven, on earth, as it is in heaven. Isaiah 11 speaks to that whole prayer and that whole story. And we are invited in Advent and Christmas season to pray it for real. And I wanna ask you a question as I'm inviting you, as you think about what do we pray for? What do we give for? What do we serve for as Christians? We pray for this, all in this direction. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray for that. I want to encourage you to be praying for that, giving for that, living for that, sharing, serving for that this season. But let me ask you this. Is it real in your life, in your house right now? Is the kind of kingdom Isaiah 11 and 12 are talking about real and living in your heart and in your house? And I want to invite you. In this season, you know, hey, we're still a week and a half away from Christmas Eve. We are still, we're in a season of great joy, but also repentance. I want to invite you to open your heart and your house and your family to the power of God, the God of hope. That your house and your heart, your children, and everyone you relate to might be full of joy and peace. You ask. I'm inviting you to ask God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done in your heart and in your marriage and in your family. Maybe so. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit now and forever. Amen.